Hello and welcome to Swana Region Radio, a weekly review of politics and culture, bringing you the voices of the voiceless from Kolkata to Casablanca here on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, FM 98.7 in Santa Barbara, and 93.7 FM in northern San Diego, and streaming worldwide on kpfk.org. My name is David Lloyd, and I'm a member of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa, or SWANA Collective, that brings you your weekly dose of SWANA Region Radio. Once again, let me remind our listeners that SWANA Region Radio, like KPFK, the station itself, relies entirely on your donations to stay on air. If you've enjoyed and benefited from our programming over the year, please pledge to KPFK's essential work on our website at kpfk.org. Even $10 a month would be crucial contribution to us. Today, we devote the show to the great Palestinian poet Mahmoud Darwish in conversation with Fadi Juda and Jeff Sachs, both of whom have translated Darwish's work into English. Darwish is probably the best known of Palestinian writers internationally, and his life and his work reflect the 70-year struggle of Palestinians to gain their fundamental rights to their land and to recognition as a people. Likewise, he suffered the experience of the refugee and the exile that has been that of Palestinians for far too long. His skepticism about the future for Palestinians once led to his famous question, where will the bird fly after the last sky? That another great Palestinian writer, Edward Said, took as the title for his book on Palestine, After the Last Sky. Today, Fadi Juda and Jeff Sachs join me in discussing the work of the great Mahmoud Darwish. Fadi Judah has published three poetry collections and four of poetry and translation. He's received the Yale Series Prize, a Guggenheim Fellowship, the Griffin Poetry Prize for his work. Textu is his most recent poetry collection, and a map of signs and scents, the selected poems of Amjad Nasser, is his latest translation work. He's the translator of a volume of poems by Mahmoud Darwish, mostly of the later poetry, entitled The Butterfly's Burden, which came out with Copper Canyon in 2007. Welcome to the show, Fadi. Thank you. Jeff Sachs is a writer, translator, and scholar. He's also associate professor of Arabic and comparative literature at the University of California, Riverside, and the author of a book, Iterations of Loss, Mutilation and Aesthetic Form, Al-Shidjak to Darwish, which came out with Fordham University Press in 2015. He's too translated a volume of poetry by Mahmoud Darwish, Why Did You Leave the Horse Alone, which came out from Archipelago Books in 2006. And he's presently writing a book called Simplicities, a colonial archive about the history of the word simple, a second book for decolonization about the lyric poem and the question of Palestine, and a volume of poetry called Second Name. Jeff, you're very busy, but welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much, David. It's nice of you to have me. So let me let me start by asking a bit about Darwish's life. I believe he was from Galilee and that his family were driven out by Israeli forces in 1948. And the village where he came from, Al-Birwa, was destroyed to prevent the return of Palestinians. But they did return, and Darwish grew up in Acre and in Haifa. Is that correct, Fadi? Uh, yes, uh, yes, it is, um, and uh, you know his uh, his youth, uh, mostly in in Haifa, um, was met uh, with a lot of trouble as he uh, joined the Communist Party at the at the time, uh, along with other Palestinian figures, uh, uh, young ones like uh, uh, of his age, uh, 
namely Samih al-Qasim and also um, uh, Emil Habibi, who's a little older than they were at the time. Um, and he eventually, um, because of his outspokenness and poetry, um, was uh, put under house arrest by uh, Israeli uh, government. Um, and uh, the chokehold got tighter to where he felt that he had to leave in order to uh, find another sky, as you um, uh, alluded to earlier. I, I believe um, one of his very earliest poems that he read when he was still a teenager got him into some trouble. Uh, I think it was a poem about the identity card. Is that yes, I, I think he got in trouble with earlier poems. Um, uh, the uh, the one about the identity card has a particular story behind it, uh, which was born out of his frustration, resistance, and defiance to the fact that he had to report to uh, some sort of um, uh, police office uh, to since he was under uh, house arrest or uh, to sort of document that he still is around, and uh, and it was. Uh, as as Darwish says, he finally sort of spoke up and said, well, write it down. I am an Arab, because that's exactly what the house arrest was about. It was about monitoring a Palestinian uh, uh, Arab who is in resistance. And this became the refrain of the poem, is that? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So um, you mentioned that he, he joined the Israeli Communist Party as a youth, and then 1973 joined the PLO. I mean, what was his attitude to the, the Palestinian Liberation Organization? I think that uh, one of the things that are not said in, in uh, perhaps in English, uh, um, about the uh, any Palestinian and the Palestinian Liberation Organization at the time is that you have a rare event uh, in history uh, for a revolutionary moment where you have an entire collective of people who are, in one way or the other, involved with the PLO. I know you want to make a distinction in the sense that he was a registered member or, you know, um, some people were, some people weren't. But it's hard to find a Palestinian who was not directly or indirectly at the time not involved uh, with the Palestinian revolution. And I think that's putting it in better perspective uh, than to say that there were just, you know, a certain cadre that was involved because um, they couldn't have been involved without um, the immense support of the people. Right. And and that, that support, of course, um, was also something that was very prominent in Beirut where he ended up in exile um, with working with the PLO archives and so forth. And his amazing memoir, Memory for Forgetfulness, is, is about that period in Beirut. What followed um, the destruction of Beirut by, by the Israeli forces in 1982 was the expulsion of the PLO from, um, from Beirut and really his, amongst other Palestinians, dispersal. And I, I mentioned at the beginning that in, in some senses his life is really about um, exility and about an exile that Palestinians in general suffer. So, Jeff, I, I wondered if you wanted to comment at all about about the ways in which um, Darwish's poetry reflects that experience of exile and places it at the center. Sure. I mean, thank you. Thank you for the question, David, and thank you, Fadi, for the really beautiful way I think that you contextualized Darwish in relation, on the one hand, 
you know, um, to Palestinian life, and on the other hand, really to Palestinian political life. I mean, one of the things that I think, one of the things that I think is very interesting about thinking about Darwish in relation to the question of exile, maybe perhaps a slightly different way of formulating the question, which would be thinking about Darwish and thinking about poetry more generally in relation to the state form um, and the way in which it has transformed um, political life, social life, linguistic life, cultural life. Um, and I think one of the things that Darwish's poetry has been involved in in numerous ways um, is sort of this absolute insistence on detaching um, poetic life from the institutionalization of the state, from the institution of the state form, from the forms of violence it carries out, from the forms of racialized violence it carries out, both inside of occupied Palestine slash Israel um, and in the Arab world more generally. I think one of the things that perhaps um, uh, would be urgent to index in Darwish is that he is actually a critique uh, or, a crit or a critic and has offered very intense uh, criticisms of the state form in the Arab world and not only in relation um, to the so-called Jewish state. Um, but I don't know how that touches upon upon the question upon the question of exile. Um, certainly he's written about exile in numerous kinds of ways. And certainly exile, I think, was a kind of a poetic condition for him. He certainly was actually physically displaced um, in numerous um, uh, existential, political um, um, kinds of ways that touched upon his writing, too. That's really interesting. So sure. I mean, you, you've given me an answer that I wasn't expecting, but it, it sounds like exile for Darwish from a given state, whether it's Israel or the potential state of Palestine, turns into instead a critique of the state that has exiled him or the state form. Um, but maybe we should hear some, some of Darwish's own um, poetry that, that takes exile as, as a theme, um, if we could. And, and let's, let's listen to it in Arabic first. I think it's important to hear Darwish's voice in Arabic, and, and then we'll hear it in English. Yes, but before I do that, I'd, I'd like to say that um, exile as a concept in Darwish's work and as a state of being, and I think it's, it's, it is a poetic um, um, a metaphor uh, or a state of being for the poet regardless. Um, but it, it, it was, for Darwish, it was something that developed with time. It was not a moment that mm. uh, was fixed uh, when he arrived at it at first, uh, and uh, and and it never stopped evolving. Um, um, so, yes, there is one of his later works, uh, a very famous poem called uh, "Who Am I Without Exile?" And I'm just going to read uh, part of it in Arabic and and then in English. Yes, that'd be great. Man ana min duni manfa, gharibun ala dhafat nahri. كالنهر يربطني باسمك الماء لا شيء يرجعني من بعيدي إلى نخلتي لا السلام ولا الحرب لا شيء يدخلني في كتاب الأناجيل لا شيء لا شيء يومض من ساحل الجزر والمد ما بين الدجلة والنيل لا شيء ينزلني من مراكب فرعون لا شيء يحملني أو يحملني فكرة للحنين ولا الوعد ماذا سأفعل ماذا سأفعل من دون منفى وليل طويل يحدق في الماء. Oh, that was beautiful. 
So you can read it for us in English now, for those of us challenged <laughs> by the Arabic language? Yes, sure. Who am I without exile? A stranger on the river bank, like the river, water binds me to your name. Nothing brings me back from my far away to my palm tree, not peace and not war. Nothing makes me enter the Gospels, not a thing. Nothing sparkles from the shore of ebb and flow between the Euphrates and the Nile. Nothing makes me descend from the Pharaoh's boats. Nothing carries me or makes me carry an idea, not longing and not promise. What will I do? What will I do without exile and a long night that stares at the water? Water binds me to your name. Nothing takes me from the butterflies of my dreams to my reality. Not dust and not fire. What will I do without roses from Samarkand? What will I do in a theater that burnishes the singers with its lunar stones? Our weight has become light and like our horses and the faraway winds. We have become two friends of the strange creatures in the clouds, and we are now loosened from the gravity of identity's land. What will we do? What will we do without exile and a long night that stares at the water? Water binds me to your name. There's nothing left of me but you, and nothing left of you but me, the stranger massaging his stranger's thigh. Oh, stranger, what will we do with what, with what is left to us of calm and of a snooze between two myths? And nothing carries us, not the road and not the house. Was this road always like this from the start? Or did our dreams find a mare on the hill among the Mongol horses and exchange us for it? And what will we do? What will we do without exile? Well, wow, that's an incredible poem. And, and I have to say, one of the things that strikes me as a non-Arabic speaker reading Darwish in English, um, whether his prose or his poetry, is, is how remarkably well served he's been by his translators. Because it seems to me that even in English, Darwish is a major poet, if you understand what I mean, that, that as an English, po English language poet, he comes across very, very powerfully. So, so I wondered... You both translated Darwish, and I'm I'm curious. I know Fadi, you've written a little bit about this in the introduction to your book, and and Jeff, I know you've written extensively about Darwish in in your own critical work. How do you approach translating from Arabic into English, and particularly with a poet of the musicality and intensity of Darwish, as we've just heard? I mean, Jeff, when when you were approaching um, your own translations. How did you think about translation as an activity in, in, in terms of Darwish's work and what you had to do to capture something in English of his own qualities in Arabic? Wow, thank you. That's a really generous um, question. Um, I would want to say, and this is something I think that um, perhaps holds uh, in a general sense for poetic translation, for poetic writing, is that the desire, I think, in translation would be to produce something that is very smooth, very um, um, very legible, something that, that is sort of easy on the tongue and easy 
on the um, uh, on the reader's eyes in a certain kind of sense. So I think that at, to the extent that I've produced translations that are useful in some way, um, I think a, a sensibility about retaining something like the uncommonness, the unfamiliarity, um, even the strangeness, to borrow the word um, of a friend, um, would be extremely urgent in translating this poetry, right? Because we would want, I think, to have an extreme kind of vigilance about rendering Arabic texts into an English language idiom and English literary institutions and English um, cultural institutions um, without retaining really a sense of, of, of the kind of violence that becomes involved or that can become involved in a certain in a certain form of, of translational flattening out, if you will. So I think holding on to something of the unfamiliarity, something of the musicality in Darwish, which I think Fadi's translation, which he just read, does in a really beautiful way, um, would be really urgent, right? I mean, from my point of view, there's a very beautiful line in the poem you just read, right? Which is, you know, what will I do without the roses of Samarkand? That's really such a beautiful statement. There's a materiality, there's a particularity, there's a real kind of sinking down into language that happens in that sentence that one needs to hold on to and remain with before one rushes off into the American literary landscape and makes this in the English language into, you know, so-called beautiful poetry or beautiful literature, right? Because there's a very significant aesthetic tradition happening and getting generated um, the moment you start to speak in the English language. And I think we want to have a little bit of maybe forbearance, a little bit of vigilance. Um, and so maybe, maybe I've tried to do that a little bit. Um, um, in pursuing in pursuing these translations, Fadi, you you also had some remarks about the ways in which you had to play around with Darwish's metrics, um, and uh, as as a translator, do do you have any thoughts in relation to what Jeff was just saying about about the need to preserve a certain kind of musicality in English? Uh, I think it's an echo. I I uh, I don't believe of, of what Jeff said. I don't believe in in what is lost in translation. I think that it is always about what is created or gained. Um, uh, I do think that it is also about a particular um, surrender or uh, cohabitation with the original text, um, and understanding where its strangeness is in its quote unquote native tongue. Uh, if that strangeness exists, uh, and I think it does in Darwish's poetry. Um, and then the question becomes um, an idea of mirroring uh, that strangeness in the host language, in this case English, um, and the, uh, the unpredictable results that arise from that are, I think, where, where beauty is born. Um, Darwish, uh, Darwish's genius forces or demands uh, from you as a reader uh, and as a second writer, uh, as a translator, to, uh, to address these issues. Um, and I think uh, that's the beauty of uh, his work. I think that uh, uh, there are still many translators out there um, who uh, need to uh, 
uh, give Darwish, uh, Darwish a, a, you know, a seventh and eighth and a hundredth uh, shot. Uh. Well, let, let's hope they're out there listening. Uh, you just mentioned um, Darwish's strangeness in Arabic, if I understood you right. Um, I, kn- I know that, that Darwish was a great innovator in Arabic poetry, I mean, quite apart from, from his writing about Palestine and, and that as a, a very specific topic. But um, can you say something about how he innovated within Arabic poetry, what, what experiments he engaged in, what transformations of the Arabic tradition that he was involved in? I, I, um, I think mainly uh, in the sense of advancing formalism uh, he was a formalist uh, a, a prosodist if you if you want to use the uh, specific term and then using it into um, uh, 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 contemporary language uh, making the, the the possibility of the poem uh, in what we call in Arabic it's really difficult to translate uh, the the um, uh, something that is so easy yet resists um, replication. Um, but I think ultimately um, uh, it is really about him developing prosody in order to take the ancient uh, uh, prosodies and, and, uh, uh, of Arabic poetry and making them so uh, accessible into the, mm-hmm. the modern Arabic. Um, mm-hmm. And doing doing it in a way that opens up uh, itself to possibilities of language. There's so much language that you know that uh, that can be done in the modern poem uh, without necessarily sounding as if you're you know from a thousand or a hundred years ago. Yeah. Yes. Can, I, can I share one Please. thought? Really, in relation to what Fadi was just in relation to what Fadi was just saying, I would there are sort of a couple of moments I'd want to pick up on. And one of them really turns back to the question of translation that you were just talking about earlier and that relates to the word something like cohabitation, right? The cohabitation of uh, or your cohabitation with the language of a poem or with the language of a poet. And what I really loved about what you said has to do with this idea almost of a notion of passivity as a kind of translator. How can one try to sort of be in this language even to receive it in a certain kind of way without, from the get-go, overwhelming it with whatever one takes um, um, to, uh, to be what an act of translation ought to be or do or what language itself um, ought to be or to do. I would want to also, just to follow up on the question of form in Darwish, I think for myself something that's been very interesting is that the modern Arabic poetic movement in certain ways has taken itself to be modern. Um, And I think that there's a very interesting way that Darwish is engaging with the past in relation to form that's extremely distinctive um, and is actually creating a rupture with, if you will, the modernist Arabic poetic movement, um, say like from the 1950s that I think is really interesting and quite distinctive um, and perhaps could be something to talk about, um, could be something to talk about or to think about more. Um, I wanted to also just think a little bit with Fadi about what he was saying too, about something like the popular register of Darwish's poetry 
you know, he speaks and writes often in the plural. There are always multiples happening in Darwish's writing. There are always duels. There are triplets. There are dialogues. Um, and I think that there's a, an appeal to something like um, a community, a common, a commonality. Um, the, the, art of dialogue, the art of dialogue mm -hmm. is something that is not really... He was a mas master, master, uh, masterful at the art of dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think that's uh, almost like a playwright. And this is, you could see this in his later works, mm -hmm. where there's mm -hmm. always a conversation taking place between an I and a you, um, which is uh, a lot more than uh, uh, one can say his poetry received in English. It did not receive a dialogue. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, until, you know, now it is beginning to happen. Right. And um, I think and this is one of the things, too, that is happening, for example, with the translation of Palestinian poetry, or perhaps one could even say of non-European poetry more generally, is that, you know, a poet is called upon constantly to represent um, something like some form of identity. Mm -hmm. And first and foremost, you are representative of something, right? And secondly and later what you're doing is some kind of poetic activity. And so I feel like one of the things that would be urgent um, in doing um, a translation around these questions and in reading Darwish in English and in reading Arabic poetry in English would be firstly reading it as poetry rather than as some kind of a, a cultural artifact um, of some sort. Well, maybe maybe um, we could end in the last couple of minutes that we have for the show with hearing Darwish's voice again. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read a poem called Poetic Arrangements, which ap appeared in this volume called Why Did You Leave the Horse Alone, which was published in Arabic in 1995. Um, okay, so I can read this. Um, this is called Poetic Arrangements, and perhaps this touches upon some of the questions we've been dealing with, too. Um, so, the planets did nothing except teach me to read. I have a language in the sky and a language on the earth. Who am I? Who am I? I don't want to reply here. Perhaps a star will fall upon its image. Perhaps the forest of chestnut trees will lift me toward the galaxy at night and say, you stay here. The poem is above. It is able to teach me what it wants, like how to open a window or put my household affairs in order among myths. It is able to wed me to itself in time. That was beautiful. Um, it's it's so great to hear Darwish's uh, work read, um, and I hope that we'll have the chance to do this a little bit more on the air, but I'm afraid at this point we're now out of time, and we'll just have to get you back on the show very soon. So uh, thank you. My guests today have been Fadi Juda and Jeff Sachs. Fadi Judah has published three poetry collections and four of poetry in translation. He's the translator of a volume of poems by Mahmoud Darwish, The Butterfly's Burden, which came out from Copper Canyon in 2007. And Jeff Sachs is a writer, translator, and scholar, and is also an associate professor of Arabic and comparative literature at the University of California, Riverside. He has translated a volume of poetry by Mahmoud Darwish also, 
Why Did You Leave the Horse Alone?, which came out from Archipelago Books in 2006. If you've enjoyed our show, please consider making a donation to KPFK at kpfk.org. Don't forget to mention Swana Region Radio when you pledge. For your support and only your support keeps this program and this station on the air. I thank you for your donations. I'm afraid that's all the time we have on the show today. The Swana Collective would like to thank our guests, Fadi Juda and Jeff Sachs. This and all our shows are available to download at kpfk.org under the Programs tab. And thanks, as always, to Nima Ardalan for production assistance. My name is David Lloyd of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa, or SWANA Collective. And on behalf of all of our collective members, I'd like to wish our listeners a great day.